Hey there, it's the October 23rd edition of Three Songs Pod. This is Mike Hogan. I'm Bob Nasanovich. Hello, Bob. And this is number 16. Episode 16. Let's start it off right now with The Fall. And what's the song you're going to play up by The Fall? Middle Mass. Oh, there you go. Slates, 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 and living here we whisper Bob. It's one of I'll my favorite. I'll tell you what, lines. that is that is not um, <laughs> summertime music. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. A little Marky Vice Smith. Cold. I, would, I believe it would be the 40th anniversary of the fall. Uh, wow. That's crazy. And, and, and are you aware of what's going on with Marky Smith, the lead singer, right now? Uh, not, Who is the fall? Right. He is the fall, essentially. Not not, a set, not no, especially. No disrespect to Craig Scanlon. Right. His guitar was... As usual, ripping on that. Right. Uh, well, that was from 1981 from Slate's, the Slate's EP, as you mentioned, a 10 inch. You know, back when 10 inches were not necessarily something that most bands put out. In the world of vinyl collecting, there are a few things sexier than the 10 inch. S- spoken just like <laughs> a member of a band who put out probably, I would say, the 10-inch most responsible for the 10-inch boom of the uh, indie rock 90s in Perfect Sound Forever. Was was the idea of doing a 10-inch, was that inspired at all by the fall? I know you guys are big fans. Oh, certainly. Everything from that era of pavement would be inspired by the fall. And um, swell maps and a lot of, you know, that, that, that axis. Yeah. I'm gonna, actually. I'm going to take a detour. I wasn't planning. We're, we're playing a lot of Scrabble and listening to the fall. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour for a second and play something from the fall. From um, one of well, not quite as uh, early as that one. You gonna um, snippet us? It's not even a snippet. This is uh, you'll know this song, but this this is like when when. People talk about oh, pavements influenced by the fall. I don't really hear it. This is the well, song. new face in hell. I mean, well, but even this, this in particular, this song, to encroachment, yarbles. Yeah, I mean, it's only a minute and a, qu- a minute and twenty five. So uh, we could probably even play the whole thing. It, Go for it, it. To me, this is like the fall as blueprint for pavement. Every day you have to die some Every day you have to Yeah, this nation's saving grace right there. Fantastic album. Yeah. And I would like to also express some concern. Marky Smith uh, canceled a seven a, a, a set of seven shows in New York a few months ago and also a performance in Louisville. 
because he's too unhealthy to come to the end to travel at the stage. Oh, no. And he played he played a few days ago. Lately, he's been f- performing in England. Of course, it's Faller Manchester based. Sure, of course. And I'm I'm not sure where Marky Smith is living now. Okay, but the other night they played in Wakefield, which is near Leeds. Lately, he's been performing where he stays off the stage, backstage with a mic. And I don't know how he's, I guess he's probably getting his audio feed of the music on stage and singing along. So for the majority of the concert, you won't even see him. But the other night, they actually wheeled him out and he performed on stage in Wakefield. And uh, Marky Smith is not doing well, my man. That's no good. That is not yeah. good news. Yeah, so, you know. Well, <clears throat> we'll keep him in our minds. I think good thoughts for Mark. I saw even him. Though, even though he wouldn't ever think good thoughts well, for either of us, we'll definitely do that. He's kind of a crusty, crusty bastard. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's a legend and making oh, yeah. fantastic yeah. music since, uh, mm. since the mid-70s. So many different inceptions, so yep. many different, yep. but, you know, obviously the most distinct thing, you know, running through all of it, the most unmistakable aspect is his vocal stylings and his lyrics. Yeah, for sure. Uh, obviously his con- contribution to his own genre of English punk or English rock. Real quick, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you know the story, maybe you don't, before we move on to the second song we're going to play tonight. Um, and I, I've always thought of it as an urban legend, but maybe there's some truth to it. Do you know anything about the story about the fall possibly getting signed to Motown Records before the release of Hex Induction Hour? No. No. I mean, I've heard this story, and I had to... I mean, every time I've heard this story, I've thought... This has to be an urban legend. There, this, there cannot be any truth to this. And supposedly, I mean, you know Hex Induction Hour, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, first line of the whole album is, um, you know, I don't even want to say it, you know, because of the, the, the day and age, but Marky Smith yelling out, where are the obligatory, where, where are the obligatory niggers? Hey there, fuck face. Hey there, fuck face. First, first line of the album. Supposedly he sent that to Motown Records and they said, oh, hell no, we're not putting this out. That'll do it, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I can't he's believe. He's definitely not, he's never, never been into pulling any punches in any regard. No. He's, and, he's, he's very vicious. In fact, after the show's over, I'll send you some. I'll send you the most recent. Inter, uh, there's a really great uh, publication, and uh, there's a website in England called The Quietist. Q U I T U S. And uh, my friend John Doran from The Quietist, he interviewed Marky Smith, and he's a huge fan. Uh, in the last few years, it's definitely something you should watch. Okay. Yeah. Uh, send it along. I'd love to see it. True payment <clears throat> hater, which is just fine with us. We have no problems <laughs> with anybody. In fact, I one one lesson I learned from him is that uh, is that any any band that you influence, you shouldn't hate because what's the age old adage like imitation is the biggest form of flattery? Sure, right? sure, of course. 
Okay, so I've often heard bands very unfairly referred to as pavement ripoff bands, and then I've so I've listened to it and I've been like, okay, yeah, that's like paint by numbers pavement. That's cool. Da da da. da no problem with that. And then there's some bands where I'm like, no, they don't sound like pavement at all, you know, and they shouldn't get that tag. And to me, that's like lazy journalism. So to an right. extent, like out, outside of, well, uh, for, for example, I'm going to play an REM song later in the show and REM, especially eighties REM had just as big an influence and you can hear it just as easily is the fall on many of our songs. And, and I have to say this. I mean, I think you're right that it is lazy journalism because aside from maybe a song called, or maybe a song like Two States, which to me is... Oh, the total, total fall. The most like, obvious you know, fall song. Same, same with Condor for Sale. Yeah, you know, right. Condor for Sale, you know, the, both those songs. I mean, there's songs that Jeff definitely are right. heavily influenced by the fall, but also, right. you know, the band... That I, that I was in was also similarly influenced by Can, right? And and similarly influenced by, in certain cases, like even Led Zeppelin and certainly the Beatles and like. So when you're all oh, those New, band, New Zealand bands too, I mean some of the oh heavily, but when, when you spent your life like when you spent you know so the guy who wrote most of the songs, Malcolm, his record collections all over the place. Right. So he's if he loves something, he can't. Even today, he's making songs with the jicks and making songs on his own, he can't help but the fact that he listens to music around the clock affect what he's doing. Sure. Of course. And I don't care whether you're in parquet courts or if you're, you know, whoever you are, you know, like you just can't help it. You know, you gravitate and, towards the, the sounds that you enjoy. Right. It's very rare that you're going to get like a purely original artist, in fact, I felt like I kind of played one on the last show when I played Haley Ford's band's Circuit to You, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like if you really listened to it and picked her apart, you could find... Well, you mentioned one. You mentioned Laurie Anderson. Laurie Anderson a little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's just part of listening to music. It is. It absolutely is. And it's very lazy to, like, pick one band and decide to sound like them. You know, but if you do, like, a really good job and you do a better version than they do, in fact just about everybody I've ever seen cover or a pavement song, they, their version's better. Like, you know, Nickel Creek, a, yeah. are you familiar with that band? Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. Okay. They, they're a Americana band yep. and they do a, a version of spit on a stranger, which is better than our version. In a lot of ways to me. So, or, I, I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, things. Uh, I mean, I love Here. Here's one of my favorite pavement songs. And I love the Tindersticks version of it, which is like completely much darker. Uh, in well, I mean, basically Coldplay's most famous song, what's it called? All in Yellow? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, go ahead and listen to Here, then listen to right. All in Yellow by Coldplay. Right. Basically, that sounds just like Here, really. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, that's just part of the way rock and roll music works. Yeah. Because, like, even bands, obviously the Rolling Stones essentially were a cover band. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you know, like and you mentioned, and in fact, you've I've, linked. I've played least, a couple. Yeah, you played a bunch. You played the original, <laughs> and the original's been better. So it's just like you know, modern updating of like great styles. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I cool. just think it's like accusatory. I don't. Know. Anyways, 
I actually I'm gonna start off my. Wait, sorry, I've, we've talked way too much, especially That's myself. Okay. Sorry, as usual. That's all but right. It's good. Here's a good here, diversion. Here's a band. I'm gonna play a band. A song off their 1990 album, which is my favorite Sun City Girls album, band from Phoenix, who had a brilliant career, one of the strangest bands I've ever been associated with in any way, shape, or form. And this is off probably their most listenable album mm-hmm. called Torch of the Mystics. And this is this is Blue Mamba. And this is this is a as far as I know, a completely original music music conglomeration. Torch of the Mystics era, Sun City so, Girls, right there. Yeah, Matura Records. So yeah, so That's Sun City Girls. That was when they kind of made a record 
In fact, go ahead and play a little bit of I Mohine. Is that easy for you? It is. Yeah, I'll play. I'll play a bit. That's um, this is from one of the seven inches that came out a few years before that record. Okay. City Girls. Did you ever see them? I did. I did. I saw them a couple times. I actually saw them in Portland, Oregon, uh, probably about 15 years ago. And they were amazing live. One of the things I remember most about seeing them live was they would do stuff like that, just completely out there, uh, you know, Middle Eastern, I don't even know, like just wild stuff or, or even just really noisy stuff. And then they went from that into a note-perfect rendition of Alone Again or by Love. Like, just exactly beautiful, okay, so, perfectly done. So I saw, him, I saw him twice. Okay, so I saw him the same era that you did in 2002 or three or whatever. And it was in Louisville. It was the same night Sebado was playing across town. It was one of those towns, one of those nights in a city like Louisville where it was like, wow, how come nothing happened for the last month? And how come two amazing things are happening on the same night? Right. Now we've got to like figure out a way to get from one place to the other. Both bands are great. So happy I saw both bands that night. But the, my first experience with them was in a club in Richmond called PB Kelly's in, in 86. Okay. And they were, PB Kelly's is sort of an interesting thing. It was in Shaco Bottom, the, the one of the oldest parts of one of a very old city, Richmond, by American standards. And it was one of these amazing places where it was like three rectangular rooms. The first room was just kind of a classic like diner. The middle room was the bar, and the third room was where the bands played. It was booked by a guy named Mark Mark Thomason, who was kind of a just like Maynard type in Charlottesville, a guy that would like try to get bands that he was really interested in which is kind of a cool way to book a club okay for sure and and so we're you know there's a crowd of people down there like about 100 people like wondering what the sun city girls are all about they're from phoenix and apparently they're not going to turn up not going to turn up okay so all of a sudden when it looked like all was lost around 10 30 or 11 at night this disheveled remodeled school bus painted wildly with a bunch of different colors pulls up in front of the place and three guys barrel out of it. You never saw their faces. 
they were wearing burlap sacks with X's painted across their face. This is what in their heavily costumed era. Okay. And so I love, they, first I love, I love that, you know, any band that had a heavily costumed era. Uh, is, yeah, no, no. You can look <laughs> the images are readily available right. on, on the internet, sure. which was a fantastic collection. Like the, Actually, the outfits I saw in this particular evening were rather dull. They got into like very much kabuki theater type outfits. Apparently, there were amazing collectors of instruments. We're talking about, you know, the two Bishop brothers and Charles Gaucher, the drummer. And this band stopped a few years ago when Charles Gaucher unfortunately died of cancer young mm-hmm. they just stopped mm-hmm. it's like they, you know we can't do this without charles and charles was a huge part of the band the drummer and percussionist so so they show up and and they load in and they play for like 40 minutes and they load out nobody really ever saw them mark paid him the door and they hit the road they hit got back in that school bus and they hit the road and i was like at the time i was like 18 19 years old and i was like what in goodness name just happened? I have no idea what happened, but that was very strange. Okay, so it stuck with me. And then five years later, when Torch of the Mystics came out, and the song I just played, Blue Mamba, I thought, well, at least I can sort of like get my head around them because I owned a bunch of their stuff. And I was always trying to latch on Torch of the Mystics all the way through, especially my favorite song on the record, Space Prophet Dogon. Yeah. Uh, which is a seven-minute song. Yeah, that's a great song. It's a great album. Oh, there's a, yeah. There's so many great songs on that album. Like to me, it's one of the best twenty albums of all time. Easily, if I had to make a top ten list, "Torture of the Mystics" by Sun City Girls is definitely on there. Okay, it's brilliant. It is. It is very tinny. You know, yep. Yep. like uh, like I think that the way it was recorded, like you know, if you want to remix records as you listen to them, I always like kind of go low on the treble and high on the bass but that's like a dj thing who cares and uh but to me just one of the strangest so many influences like you know you talk about bands that have like eight influences or bands have like 30 influences these are guys that like god knows what they were doing and like like you said they could like they could easily do like an amazing version of a rock classic like alone again or by love right yeah i mean and that's the thing they weren't just like these weird musicians playing their own weird little songs in their weird language, they could play anything really at any time. They'd just be like, Oh, we want to play this now. And they would go straight into it and it would sound perfect. Yeah. I don't know how they did it. And I can see why if, you know, as a three piece band, if like a seminal member left, then right. Cut the cord boys. (laughs) Right. You know, that's it. So, well, and, and I think that two Bishop brothers, you know, they, they're from Phoenix. The two Bishop brothers live in Seattle. and Yeah, they moved to Seattle. Uh, boy, I don't know. Sometime in right the Right around 90s. that, right around, right around Torch of the Mystics on a right. Seattle Lake. Yeah. Majority. Right. So, right around that time. They released it. And, like, yeah. basically, I think they just kind of re released their stuff now. And, you know, who knows what they do, but they've always been a mystery. They what have. do you have? Uh, I'm going to go with another mystery here, but we're going to go back a little further, not too much further. Actually, we're going to stay in the same year as the fall tune that I played, uh, 1981. Uh, We're going to go from... It was a very good year. It was. We're going to go from Manchester, where the fall were from, to Norwich, 
where this band oh, yeah. is from. Um, this is a this is an obscure band. Uh, they only released a few seven inches, and then they split up. I know almost nothing about them. Uh, I know them because I have a compilation. Um, are you familiar with the Mesthetics compilations? No. No. Oh, so these Mesthetics, I think there's eight of them. Um, it's, it's a bunch of compilations of mostly British art pop, art punk, um, weird kind of skewed yeah well, lord knows we love that stuff. yeah exactly you know it's 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 the sort of stuff i mean i played the homosexuals earlier you know one of the earlier shows they're on some of that it's it's stuff like the swell maps that we've talked about you know just kind of weird skewed pop punk who knows what you could call it but um definitely worth checking out this is a song i discovered from there it's from a seven inch called prams the band is The Vital Disorders. Three songs pod. Play away. All right. A little wake up call for you, huh, Bob? I do like the knocking over glasses. <laughs> you know, I love that. Ooh, I love that. I gotta get one of those. Yeah, uh, gotta get one of those. How do, I, do you have that on vinyl? I don't. No, I just have the um, Mesthetics comp. Uh, but I think you could still Louise. find that. You know, actually, I was looking uh, on Discogs. Uh, you can find them for somewhat reasonably. I mean, it's a seven inch, so 
It's not. Those are easily portable. They're easily portable, and uh, you know, if you if you're willing to spend twenty to thirty dollars, I think you could probably set yourself up with a copy of that seven inch. Um, Let's hope I have a winning day at the British races tomorrow morning, and there you go. I'll get and I'm I'm about to venture on about a eight or nine day DJ tour of uh, Great Britain, starting in late November in Norwich, where they're from. Maybe you could track them down. Yeah, that might be sort of mandatory to kick <laughs> off uh, uh, kick off the DJ portion of the evening before Shorvan. I don't even know the play. names of the people in the band. I mean, there were a, like they released according to um, so looking at the Discogs page, they had like six or seven members, and they only put out three seven inches. So. Uh, Love that. And I think that there's a a compilation called A Complicated History that collects uh, their stuff. I think it might be their stuff and all the other related bands from the scene. Um, a Complicated History by The Vital Disorders. Pretty cool, The Vital Disorders. They're kind of in, you know, have to be lumped in with great bands like, you know, Raincoats, yep. slits, Marine yep. girls. Yep. Although they they really, they that was, a, and, and it, all their songs had that like, chicken. Yeah, and and like the dog face termins. I hear a lot of dog face termins, oh, yeah. like really in your face, very political. I mean, that's that's a song about you know a young girl having dreams of being who knows what, and then let's talk about prams because you know presumably she got pregnant. And washing machines and the end of childhood dreams, you know, and yeah, it's like serious, serious stuff. So fun, fun song, though, you know, it's it's got a beat. You can dance to it. I'm going to venture into familiarity. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to venture into the realm of familiarity. I'm going to play off the 1985 album Fables of the Reconstruction by R.E.M., uh, recently, I was asked, "What's your favorite REM song?" And instead of, I mean, there's about fifty, but my absolute favorite is this one. Good advice is by REM.
when you meet a stranger, look at their shoes. It's my yeah, exactly. Favorite line from and, that uh, song. So it's like REM, like in a nutshell. So to me, in 1985, when that came out, I was 17, and at the at the point, I was sort of like the most anticipated record. Fables of the Reconstruction. Okay, so sure, of course. I, I'm going to tell you why, <clears throat> because REM was important in so many ways. You know, obviously Athens, Georgia, and you know, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia, and they would play there, and they'd play in the region and stuff. And they were sort of the first band to me that that chose opening bands that they wanted their crowd to see, whether it be Dream Syndicate or Wire or Gang of Four or Minutemen. And, uh, you know, Sonic Youth obviously did the same thing with a lot of great bands that, you know, supported them. And, but in particular, R.E.M. was, I mean, as it, they, they hit me right. And, you know, very important part of my early teenage years when I was buying records. Sure. Me too. And uh, <clears throat> so, like, you know, what was your experience with REM? Because I, I mean, I grew up like in their region. Well, for me, it was it was much more distant, and it was based on things like uh, buying records sight unseen, just because I'd read a review, or maybe I'd heard a song on 120 minutes, or um, the the that what was that IRS's? Uh, uh, yeah, that, no, it's the IRS show that would come. I'm on at midnight on MTV. Right, exactly. Can't, yeah, I, I believe can't, can't Get There From Here would have been like... Yeah, for sure. Probably the, the first video that you ever saw. Well, it might have been slicker point. Southern Central Rain from... Oh, uh, yeah, South Central Rain, yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, I just hear things here and there, and, you know, friends... And it was, you know, back before we had the internet, back before we could go listen to things. And it was just like, you buy this record and I'll buy this record. And, you know, I think one of us bought Murmur. One of us yeah, bought... we were all, yeah, that's pretty cool. We were, we were all hip to like, in Richmond, we were all hip to like Chronic Town, Murmur, Reckoning. And it's like, it's just like, edge your seat. Like, well, this is like, what are they going to do next? And this is where, <clears throat> Bob, you know, I mean, right now, the difference between your age and my age is pretty minimal. But when we're talking about... Five years is big, and the region's big. Well, five, it's not even five. I think it's four years. And four years is big when you're talking about the difference between 12 and 16 or, you know, 13 and 17, which is what, what it was for me. Well, in 85, I was 14. You would have been 18. That's a huge difference there. And you were able to experience a lot more at that time than I was. So... For well, yeah, me, I mean, I was able to see the Combat Rock Tour, the yeah. Clash Combat Rock Tour when I was 14. Damn, yeah, see, yeah. Uh, uh, I wasn't. <laughs> Which was amazing. I mean, like, that was actually at William Mary Hall, and it was bizarro world to me. But, uh, but REM, I'll tell you a great story. Okay. <clears throat> and again, I know this shows too much about stories, but... It's okay. Uh, the first show I ever saw, Fables the Reconstruction Tour, was my sister had a car that, and, and as a first year student at University of Virginia, we're not allowed to have cars. So I, I lied to Mary and told her I needed the car to go buy groceries, 
but I didn't. So I took her car, which is a 1976 Dodge Colt station wagon, and my, me and my, my best buddy, Rich Walker, we drove from Charlottesville to Lexington, which is hour and a half, two hours away in 10-degree weather, and went and saw Minutemen open for R.E.M. <clears throat> I'd, I'd seen both bands before, but it was mind-blowing that both bands would be playing on the same bill. Sure. Okay. The last Minutemen tour. And yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was only a few months before D died. Yeah. And and so we go to this place. We parked like a mile away in a field. And we did it so impromptu that I remember that I was wearing moccasins, which was an incredibly horrible idea because there was like freezing rain going on. I don't know how the hell we got there. And so we get there. We get there in time for the show. We walk into this place that probably held 800 people. <clears throat> I think it probably cost 10, 12 bucks. And... We walk in 10 minutes later, the Minutemen start playing, and we're, and we're just like in heaven. Okay. We're just like, this is amazing. You know, they're playing a tremendous set of Minutemen songs. We're just like getting off. And I quickly noticed that everybody really getting into it out of the 800 people in the room or 120 people. And I kind of knew half of them, or I was familiar with half of them. It was people that had driven up from Richmond that were Minutemen fans because essentially it was a Washington and Lee University, like, which is a very preppy school kind of frat party. And there, you had to wear a bracelet to get a drink. And obviously we were underage, so we weren't drinking. We were, we were just there to see the music. But it was like a bloodbath of of essentially, you know, frat boys getting drunk and waiting for R.E.M. Okay. <laughs> which was a weird dividing line because there's a certain amount of the crowd that a very small percentage of the crowd that went there to see the Minutemen. And about 15, 20 minutes into the Minutemen set, which is probably only going to be like a 40-minute set, some dude in a, I'll never forget him. I can still see him. He was wearing a navy blue L.L. Bean sweater, took a, they grabbed a cup of beer and threw it in D. Boone's face. Okay. And I was like, come on now, that's insane. And, like, it destroyed his guitar and stuff. He couldn't play it. They had to stop playing. And he fixed his stuff. And he came back out a couple minutes later. And he, and he tried to find the guy in the crowd. And he, he laughed. And he said, for, you know, for that, you get 15 more songs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then Minutemen just wheeled him out. So And, like, now the 100 Minutemen fans are just, like, going crazy. And having the time of their lives. And so they end. And everybody like waits for R.E.M. Now we're talking like a 45 minute wait. And the highly anticipated Tables of the Reconstruction set, which is going to start with Feeling Gravity's Pull, starts. And Michael Stipe, play, they play a great version of Feeling Gravity's Pull, which is a very Gang of Four influenced R.E.M. song. Mm-hmm. Dark. It's a dark and, REM song too. Yeah, and after the first song, Michael Stipe announces, "Like, we don't appreciate you being rude to the Minutemen." And they played three more songs. They played a fifteen-minute set, and they stopped. They just stopped and walked off. 
So basically, if you went to that concert, you saw 45 minutes of Minutemen and four REM songs. And we just walked back to our car. I drove back to Charlottesville with frozen feet, which is a part of my terrible idea, and returned my sister's car. And the next day she calls me up and she says, why is the back right tire of my car flat? <laughs> and I said, I said, well, I drove your car to Lexington last night to see R.E.M. and the Minutemen. I had to pay for her. I had to get her a new tire, you know, which in the, that day and age was 60 bucks. But anyways, I thought you'd enjoy that tale. So <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And as you know, I'm a huge Minutemen fan. And, and as we were talking about before that we, we started recording the show very soon, maybe even this Thursday, we're going to do a whole episode devoted to the Minutemen. So that's maybe a little foreshadowing. Yeah, maybe we'll end up with feeling gravity's pull. Maybe we'll go with like, maybe we'll go with like, yeah. So, I like it. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll, we'll kind what, of, do you, what do you got next? We'll, we'll, we'll revisit your, your, your uh, show. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, with a little lamb chop. This is a. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. They're from, uh, they're from, where are they from? Memphis or Nashville? No, they're Nashville. Nashville. Tony Crow, Kurt, William Tyler, Matthew Swanson. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Kurt they're Wa- still humming. Kurt they're Wagner, humming. right? Kurt, Kurt, Kurt. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. He's he's the main guy. Uh, they've put out a bunch of records, um, and you know I'm not going to play it. I mean, unless you really want to start crying. Uh, but their song "Soaky in the Pooper," which <laughs> <laughs> makes you laugh because it's a it's a it's a goofy title. Uh, it is the most crushing song one of the most crushing songs about suicide i've ever heard Um, right but it's also like this really dark humor that you just don't even laugh at because he rhymes the the line as his face turned bluish with and the funeral was jewish and it's just like it seems funny on the surface, but it is so not funny. Anyway, check that song out. I'm not going to play it. I don't want to bring okay, anybody yeah, down. Yeah, uh, maybe for the least bit funny. Maybe for another show. Maybe we'll do like a show of wrist slitters or something, and I can play that one. But uh, but no, I'm going to play uh, something from kind of one of their more obscure records, and in a way, it's the least lamb chop of any of their records because it is all live songs and all cover songs. And this was uh, a self-released CD, I believe, that came out in um, 2008 uh, on their own label. It's it's hard to find, um, you know. You know, I, ostensibly, like, Lamb Chop is way more popular in Europe than the U.S. Yeah, well, I mean, they're, they're pretty known, you know. I mean, they're, they had some... They're huge in Europe. They're yeah. huge in yeah. like Holland and Germany. Yeah, I mean they're um and they've been around for what twenty five years? How long have they been or around? Or the Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah, um, they've been around for a long time. Long time. And they've they've had about twenty people play in the band and Right. Right. Sort of like the fall. One of the best keyboard players on the universe, Tony Crow's, you know, usually part of the jams and Willie Tyler has gone on to have like a fantastic solo career which is still ongoing is usually playing the guitar these days and 
Just cool. a cool band. Wheeling. Very cool. I don't know if they're on this. I don't. What's? Is it a cover of? Well, so this is from this is from a CD that was released in 2008. This is a live performance from San Francisco from 1999, and it's a cover. Cool. It's a cover of Elvis Costello. Uh, this is the second cover of Elvis Costello I played on the show. Uh, of course, Shipbuilding by Robert Wyatt was the other one. Uh, but this is Lamb Chop doing Beyond Belief live. Perfect. Cool. History repeats the old conceits. Glib replies the same defeats. Picked fingers on important issues with crocodile tears in a pocket full of tissues. I'm just a noily stick on the wire, the roll of nervous stick. In a very fashionable hovel. I'm around there to be tortured, never be alone in the orchard. Out of with the bottle isn't nothing so novel. So in this almost empty gin palace, through a two-way looking glass, you see your Alice. You know she has no sense for all the jealousy. In a sense she smiles so very sweetly charged with insults and flattery. Her body moves with malice. Do you have to be so cruel to be callous? Now you find it is a dentokid. You say you have no sense, and now you live discreetly. I might make it California's fault, but I live in Geneva, deepest fault in Gentlemen, ladies, fight like dogs in this old 
Lamb chop. Way to go, Kurt. Yeah. You know, I, I've always loved that song. I've always loved the Elvis Costello version of that song. And uh, even though it's maybe not the most representative Lamb Chop tune, I just I really love their take on it because it's uh, it's a pretty mellow Elvis song and they really ramp it up. And we talked about the dark humor of Kurt. I love how he drops in at one point. I've got a feeling I'm gonna eat a lot of beef, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, where was that recorded in '99? Uh, San Francisco. Oh, the crowd was way in. I like that. Yeah, the crowd was way in. They were way for in. sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, go see them because they are around. That's from a. Uh, if you can find it, it's called uh, "Rainer on My Parade." They do a bunch of covers. They do Curtis Mayfield among others. Uh, it's just a fun, fun collection of live tunes. Live it's one of those bands that can do anything at any time. Yeah, right. You know, and wherever they put themselves. And wherever they decide to play, they're a band we're seeing. Yeah, very talented, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to end the show with, uh, I'm going to get a little tricky. <laughs> it's tricky? you playing It's well, Tricky? No, I'm not, no, not going to play It's Tricky. Well, I, I could. you want to play Run DMC as Tricky? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll save that one. Well, I love that one. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, that takes me back to my teenage years as well. Uh, I'm going to play a, uh, some some music. We're going to call it, it's, it's a bit revolutionary because it's it's uh, women playing, women from the Sahara Desert, okay? In particular, the country of Niger. They come from a rural part of Niger. And uh, thankfully, they've been sort of like discovered and and been to, the, brought to prominence by some fine folks from the Pacific Northwest. Really? Yeah. Cool. And uh, it's uh, I'm, I'm going to struggle with pronun- pronunciation here, but the the music genre is called Touareg, and and the unique part is that like it's a male dominated musical genre, and these are essentially the two women players. It's a band called Les Filles de Elite. It's current. Say that again. Ghost, ghost, sort of. Uh... Ghost. Well, it's, you know, ghost is it's the eve of his fourth birthday, so yeah? he's pretty oh, pumped. Nice. Okay. Lay fee de Elijah Dodd. Okay. Okay. And I think that the song is called Telali. Telali. Telalit. Telali. Yeah. Telali. Telali. T e l l i t i t. Yes. And. It's it's basically music from the Sahara Desert, cool. particularly the country of, of Niger. And and you mentioned what was the band you mentioned that's Tina, champion the genre, like the most famous Tina Tina. Ro- I don't even know how to pronounce it, but T I N A R I W E N Tina Rowan. Is that yeah. how you say it? Um, well, it's a hell of a try, anyways. They're a fantastic this- band. They're a really really good band. Um, they tackle out other genres. This is sure. this is pure like Tuareg music, and uh, you know you don't you think at the end of it it's a it's a sweet old listen. Cool. Uh, this is new to me. I want to hear it. All right, let's check it out. Yep.
That was cool. Rest in peace, Charles Gaucher and Dennis Spin. Yeah. So was was he involved in discovering them? No. No. Okay, because it sounds like the sort of thing that the Sun City Girls would have been all over. I would I would like to think so. And perhaps the Bishop Brothers got to see them live. I think they played out there in the Pacific Northwest recently. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. So look for them in your neighborhood. All More right. likely to play in your neighborhood than mine. Probably. Probably. Maybe you can see them opening for Zyloris White. That'd be cool. Zyloris White's coming through town in a couple of weeks, I think. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'll actually... Maybe they'll play at like 5 o'clock and you take Teddy. That would be cool. Teddy would be into it. He would be so oh, into yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He is a dancer. Teddy rocks. Yeah, he's a Teddy dancer. Rocks. And, and, and Teddy's what? Oh, he's, he's almost five, right? He is, yeah, he's four and a half. Yes, he yeah. goes, he turns four tomorrow, so our two mascots. That's right. That's Bless right. them both. And and I got yeah. rags here. She's coughing. She's got a little... That's co- my girl. Collapsing trachea, so you can kind of hear her in the background. She's she she's hanging out near me, so... Yeah, we're good. Uh, she'll, be, she'll be around for at least seven more years, my friend. For sure, for sure. Yeah. God right. bless the dope Pomer- Pomeranians. That's right, little Pomeranians. All right, well, thank you, Bob. It's been another fun one. Uh, we'll do this yeah, again thank you. soon. Yes. Yeah, see you on Thursday night. Maybe we'll do an All Men and Men show. Or, and then we also have Breeders' Cup week next week, and yeah. I guess we're going to do some sort of thing where we play six songs. And I'm going to kind of horse reference my song. Me too. So I'm going to make... Uh, Three Breeders' Cup picks. Me too. Me too. Yeah, well, we, we'll have to we talk have to, to make sure we're not we're not playing the same horse songs. But I, I think we'll. No, probably we'll, be good. we'll we'll check that. We'll be good. We'll be. I'll good. be out. I'll, I'll be out there. I'll be out there representing the three songs pod. All right. Race course, so fantastic. All so, right. Uh, all right. Well, until then, thank you everyone for listening. Mike Hogan here. Bob Nastanovich there. He's at at M Hogan says I'm at. Pina Stanovich, and yep. we were at at Three Songs Pod. Three Songs Pod. Yeah. All right, thank you. Thanks.